0: This is a Tech Briefs Media Group Podcast. Welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Today on the program, we have John Wagner and Marsha Domek, both of the Advanced Materials and Processing Branch at NASA Langley Research Center in Hampton, Virginia. John and Marsha have spent the past few years working with Boston-based metal fabricator SpinCraft, focusing on a manufacturing process called spin forming. And the spin-forming technique was used to create a model of the forward pressure vessel bulkhead of an Orion-type crew module. They have also partnered with researchers at the Lockheed Martin Michoud Assembly Facility for preparation of the material and definition of the FPVBH design. John and Marcia, thanks for being with us. You're
1: welcome. Glad to be with you.
0: Uh, Just to start things off, what is spin-forming? Can you take us through that?
1: a metal fabrication method that we're interested in because it enables us to form launch vehicle components in one piece. The way the process works is we start with a a, a flat piece of plate and put that on essentially a machine, kind of like a very large lathe, a a piece of metal turning equipment. Um, The plate spins in the plane of the plate, which is analogous to a record spinning on a turntable, and we use a uh, use torches to heat up the material to uh, an elevated temperature. And using a, a roller on the outside surface of the plate, we push it over a tool that is the shape of the component we want to make and basically uh, cause that material to drape over the tool and take on the shape of the tool. One
2: of the benefits that we see in doing this is typically some of the components that we target to use as demonstrations are Components, uh, you know, large, you know, 10, 12-foot diameter components that are made either by hogging out or machining out thick plate, which is a very high material scrap rate, and then these parts are welded uh, or riveted together, so some of the advantages that we see is it's a greener manufacturing process. You don't have to machine a lot. You don't have a lot of machining chips or wasted material, and it's more... Uh, it's closer to the final shape, more what we say near net shape, uh, and it eliminates the majority of welds, uh, which is a good thing because welds, a lot of times where you'll have problems are defects, material defects, and if you can get rid of rivets, same thing, your part counts down, all uh, ends up in saving money.
0: Sure, and what makes, uh, how does it stack up, how do these benefits stack up against you know traditional manufacturing techniques?
2: For example, you know, if we just take near net shape forming in general, which is a wider uh, area of technology that we're pursuing, spin forming is just one of these uh, areas. There's others uh, like flow forming, roll forging and things like that. But if you look, take the external tank on the shuttle Mm -hmm. as an example, that tank weighs approximately 60,000 pounds. Uh, But they have to start off with 600,000 pounds of material, approximately. You know, and machine away 90% of the material, and you're left with a thin shell with stiffeners. So we're trying to get away from that high scrap rate of 90% into something more, which would be like spin forming where maybe the scrap rate might be, you know, 10, 20, 30%, depending on uh,
1: how close to near net shape you can get it. And, and from a material standpoint, a material property standpoint, uh, the work that we have done, like John said, with other near-knit shape fabrication processes have yielded us, us, me- yielded us mechanical properties that are very close to other more traditional wrought products used in the multi-piece assembly like plate. So from a material performance standpoint, these processes offer comparable properties and therefore comparable performance, but we can greatly reduce costs by getting eliminating lots of the steps like heavy duty machining, the multi piece welding, inspections, um, uh, we can we can reduce cost as well as improving the performance of the components and reducing their weight and make it safer for the astronauts.
0: And 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 how so?
1: Well, as I mentioned, Billy, if you get rid of
2: welds. Uh, which a lot of these structures are welded together. Mm-hmm. Uh, welds, welded areas are typical, typically areas where you might get a structural defect. Uh, so if you can eliminate those locations where you might uh, have the propensity for defects, it'll be safer for the
1: astronauts. Yeah, but we have a, we wind up with a structure that has a higher reliability, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which is good for design but basically a higher reliability by getting rid of those potentially defect-prone sites.
0: Now, where are we seeing spin-forming in action currently?
1: Well, the process is used um, by uh, commercial companies around the world to make um, domes for cryogenic tanks that are used on existing uh, launch vehicles, existing rocket assemblies.
2: Yeah, like for, for example, a cryogenic propellant tank is made up of barrel sections which is the cylindrical sections typically, and then they have the ends of the tank or domes. So they use this spin-forming technology, or, or as Marcia mentioned, both domestically and internationally, uh, they use spin-forming to make these domes. What we were trying to do is a little bit different. Uh, the Orion configuration, or the Orion module, isn't just a dome, it's, it's, it's a front bulkhead plus a barrel section. It's got more, more contours and more radiuses of curvature. It's more complex than, say, a dome geometry. So this was a, a, uh, a challenge for the fabricator.
1: As well-established commercial capability to make a dome structure, which, if you look at it in cross section, is a big arc, um, arc-shaped component. And like John said, what we're trying to do is move this, extend this technology to the next level of development the next level of complexity. And, and if we're successful at showing that we can make something this complex, we're already on a commercial standpoint of making a simple geometry, we feel like we're really advancing this technology area to where we can make just about any shape component that we need.
2: Yeah. And typically, Billy, in the, in the work that we do, we look at... But the innovative manufacturing like the spin forming technique, but we also try to incorporate lightweight materials, advanced materials, so the best of both worlds would be able to, to be able to do this innovative technology like the spin forming of the crew module, spin forming of the Orion crew module, and do it with a lighter weight material uh, the The current way uh, material that we used for um, the demonstration article that I think you've seen pictures of is an aluminum that has a designation of 2219 aluminum alloy. It's an alloy that's been around since the 1950s.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, uh, there's a new uh, or more recent type of aluminum alloy called aluminum lithium alloys, alloy 2195. That's about 10% lighter, 10% or more stronger than uh, some of the regular aluminum, like 2,219. Mm -hmm. But we don't have as much experience with that material. So the next step we envision is to do this innovative forming with a lighter
1: weight aluminum lithium alloy. So in the long term, the goal for a component like the Orion Crew Module would be to uh, significantly reduce the weight in the vehicle and improve the performance and do that by a combination of using this single-piece spin-forming technology to get rid of the welds and the joints and fabricate that from the aluminum-lithium alloy. And those two things together, either one by itself, should gain us some weight reduction in the vehicle. But when you combine the spin-forming technology with aluminum-lithium, that weight reduction we feel like can be significant. Getting the weight down in the crew module allows us to uh, add something inside, whether it's additional personnel like another astronaut, additional support systems for the crew module, more additional payloads.
0: Yeah, can you take us through that process a bit more, too, and and how you attempted to uh, spin-form the, the crew module, uh, and, and why Orion? And yeah, can you take us through that?
2: Well, originally, as I mentioned, we've worked a suite or numerous near net shape technologies. And in the beginning, most of those were pretty standard stuff, like uh, cylinders, rings for attaching domes to say cylindrical sections uh, and we thought that the next step would be could we do something that's close to near net using any kind of forming technology or, or spin forming, flow forming, but do it in a cone, a conical section. So originally we were trying to make a transition first from like straight conical sections like you would have on a Barrel section of a propellant tank, a straight cylindrical section. Yes, straight cylindrical section. Thank you. And go to a conical section, like you might see in what's called a frustrum, or a uh, aft skirt, or a transition region between two stages on a rocket, mm-hmm. where it's, it's got a you know big diameter and small diameter.
1: So we took that idea to several companies uh, trying to do
2: that, and we settled on. Uh, uh, try, we were going to try to do that by spin forming. And uh, during the discussions with our technical colleagues at SpinCraft, we mentioned almost in a joking manner, you know, it would be nice ultimately we'd like to be able to make a whole Orion crew module by spin forming this technology, just the cone. And after we examined that further and that further discussion, uh, we looked, we determined that it wouldn't, be that big of a push technology-wise to do either a conical section or just go for broke and do the whole, uh, or try to do the whole crew module that we uh, were successful in doing.
0: Are there any hang-ups? Why would someone hesitate to use this method?
2: Well, one thing that we found in the uh, in some of the launch vehicle and aircraft industries is the mentality, and, and rightfully so in most cases, if it, if, it, if it ain't broke don't don't change it mm-hmm. you know, if it works well uh uh why introduce a variable of new technology There's got to be a real driver for the new technology to earn its way on to either a, uh, a a
1: rocket or an airplane and and the next the next step in our work is to quantify just how much of a benefit this kind of single piece construction can be. Over what the Orion now uses and others now use of the, the many-piece, multi-piece welded construction.
0: Yeah, and are there any other big design challenges uh, when when spin forming?
1: Not so much with spin forming, but with an article like this, as John said, you know, it's, it's a there's a lot of hesitation once a manufacturing path is established mm-hmm. in trying to insert new technology, particularly technologies that significantly change how things are done. One thing we will have to address with single-piece construction is how you would add other systems to it. There are other things that have to attach to this forward pressure vessel bulkhead. Um, If you look at the Orion crew module, um, you know, public images that are out there or other crew capsules that are being developed, there's a nice smooth outer mold line that's on an angle. Well, obviously inside that there are many systems. There are parachute systems. There are all kind of support systems. Within all of that is a pressure vessel that the astronauts ride in what we are making is that underlying structure. So we will have to work and we are planning to work in an upcoming project with the designers of all those systems and how would they have to address that in this single piece article compared to multi pieces where as they're welding two pieces together they can add in an extra flange to add something to. We'll have to work with them to design how they would make those additions to our, our bulkhead. Can you
0: talk a bit about the partnerships that you've formed? Uh as you've been going through this spin-forming process with commercial companies or or, uh, the like?
2: One thing, we've been partnered very closely uh, initially with Lockheed Martin Michoud Assembly Facility, uh, uh, which is in New Orleans or outside of New Orleans. NASA and Lockheed Martin Corporate uh, have a space act agreement uh, between those two organizations that allows for the exchange of information and material and intellect, you know, just ideas between these two companies, well, NASA and Lockheed Martin, which uh, the Space Act has been very uh, instrumental in uh, providing a vehicle with which we can work with our colleagues in, in private industry. Also have been working with the, the people who did the actual spin forming, which is spin craft in North Bel-Rick of Massachusetts. And uh, we worked with them, Marsha, Domac in particular,ly worked with them on a, actually a spun form dome project uh, a couple of years ago under the NASA's Exploration Technology Development Program.
0: Down the road, what do you see as the possibilities uh... With spin forming in the aerospace um, industry, whether it's in you know uh, private industry or, or elsewhere, I think one thing that we tried to do, Billy, is demonstrate uh, that you could use it for
2: more than just domes. Just you know a gentle radius part, which a dome is. Mm-hmm. What we were trying to do is, is is show that it was more applicable to a wider range of parts. As Marcia said, it's really, from what we know, it's only really been used on dome-shaped components. There might have been some isolated examples of other components, but they have not been wide-ranging. And I think what we wanted to do is
1: demonstrate that you could do in one piece you know, different
2: configurations like a barrel, a cone, and a dome all in one piece. And I think that will get people's attention uh, as to... Uh, get them thinking about using this technology, spin-forming, for things other
1: than just cryogenic tank dumps.
0: Can you take us through a typical day, what you're working on now?
1: Uh, related to this project, what, what a typical day for John and I right now is pretty dynamic because this project is uh, the fabrication of our forward pressure vessel bulkhead has given us a lot of attention to the project, which is great, and some financial support to get moving with um, the next steps in the work. So on a day-to-day basis right now, we are um, working on our plans for the next steps in the work, which include uh, some material evaluations and structural analysis. We are having discussions with um, our, our partners here, our colleagues here at NASA Langley, in laying out those plans. Uh, we uh, have have some students working with us that are assisting us with, with doing some metallography of the parts.
2: Um, you know, one thing, Marsha
1: and I are both engineers, both with a
2: materials or metallurgical background, metallurgical engineering, mm-hmm. and, and so one of the things that we need to do or that is our expertise is to look at how the process affects the material to make sure the properties are still adequate, that the grain structure that makes up the material, uh, the aluminum. Any surprises, those kind of things. We we, we need to do the details. We're working the details of the article that we made and we're making plans for what the next step is, Uh, you know, doing the technical planning on how we transition to this new lighter weight material. And we spend a lot of time interfacing with our team, with our Lockheed Martin, uh, with SpinCraft, and uh, as Marcia indicated, with having um, the demonstration article be successful, we've gotten more, more visibility and uh, more interested people to be on the
1: team. And we are collaborating with researchers at other NASA centers as well, asking them because an important part of the project we're undertaking now is to really understand completely what are the benefits of this technology for fabrication of these kinds of structures. Um, we, we're not working this just from a materials standpoint. So we do have materials and processing people from other centers and structural analysis types from other centers interfacing with us uh, and consulting with us on a, a um, not necessarily daily basis, but a pretty frequent basis.
2: Yeah, and as Marcia indicated, there, you know, in particular, two of, two more of the NASA centers, uh, the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, and the, the Johnson Space. Johnson Space Flight Center, Houston, Florida, Houston, Texas, are an integral part of the team. Uh, Marshall, we've worked closely with Marshall Space Flight Center in the past on all this type of innovative materials forming. Uh, they have a lot of expertise, or the agency expertise, in, um I'd say in friction stir welding. John- Johnson also has expertise in friction stir welding, which is a Uh, a new welding process. So they are a very, very important part and active part in the team.
0: Now what would you say, this will be my last question I think, what would you say is your favorite part of the job?
1: The job in general or this particular project?
0: Yeah, I guess related to this project, but you you can stray beyond that if you want.
1: I am just incredibly excited to see this article having been made. John and I you know, like I say, I've worked near net shape fabrication technologies for 15 plus years. We're always looking for some new application and um, new new things that we can make. Um, in this particular case, we came up with an idea that did not have a project, did not have funding support, and so we've put a lot of time and energy into um, generating interest for this, finding funding for each phase, a step at a time. And over over about three years, we finally culminated in actually fabricating. This crew module and the reception that we've gotten to it from the technical community has been very rewarding. Uh, it reinforces for us that once in a while we do have a really good we do have a good idea, and it's actually exciting to see it get to this point and um, exciting to have the opportunity to have those who would use the technology invest in it and really help us get it to that point. And it's a really nice looking piece of hardware. Can we invite you down to see it?
0: Sure. I love that. And uh, I just want to say thanks, uh, John Wagner, Marsha Domack. Thank you so much for being on the Who's Who at NASA podcast.
1: Thank you for having us. My pleasure.